Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm Nina. I'm Letha. And today we're talking about episode three of season five, Playing With Fire. Did you need to remember what season I we totally, were Yeah, I totally did. Uh, Netflix synopsis, another enemy from Daniel's past resurfaces. After a spa day and soul searching, Sam comes to a decision about her future with Miguel. Can we just say that, <laughs> like... Oh God! We are, we are actually starting this episode discussion with Sam's storyline, mm-hmm. only because as Lata said right before we record, we need to get this shit yeah. over with. Let's um, get this done. It's so painful. Oh, and it's it's actually like brings brings down an otherwise kind of like action packed episode. Kind of like we finally see Mike Barnes, etc. But um, yes, okay, we're gonna talk about Sam. We're guys. gonna talk about Sam. Brace yourself. Pour yourself some coffee. It's going to be <laughs> tough to stay awake. So, I kind of... Look, this was a terrible plot, but I enjoyed <laughs> it for the meta-commentary on Sam as a character. Um, I mean, I want to know. I mean, we've talked a lot about, like, do the writers love her? Do they hate her? Why do they keep foregrounding her storyline? Like, what kind of strange... But there's, I, you're right, and I, I actually think this revealed a lot about what the writers think of Sam, because, so, in in this episode, like, you know, Sam and Miguel have not reconnected since Miguel got back from New Mexico, there's some early scenes, we can talk about this in a second, where, like, both of them are with their respective friend groups, like, wondering where they are in their relationship, and Sam's friends, like, Moon and Yasmin, take her to a spot where she's in, like, an isolation pod or whatever else. Didn't you see Moon and Yasmin and you were like, you both could do better than right? Sam. Right? I know. Like, it's like, why are you talking to this girl about her idiotic love life? But she's in this pod trying to, and Moon is like, this is good. You can try to figure out who you are. And I was like, this is basically a metaphor for the writer's room, right? They're just like, who is Sam? Yes, they have to put themselves in a deprivation pod to right. figure out who she is. And I was like... After all this time, what if I wanted her to, like, you know, when she's flashing back between, like, Miguel and then she ultimately faces down with herself. I think it would have been great if she, like, looks around and there's, like, just nothingness. Right. Because it's, like, that that is who That's she what's is. really in the pod. I know. Because <laughs> you see her, she's got, like, visions where her dad is saying, you're LaRusso 2.0. Um, I don't know. Shit. There's, like, Robbie's there. You're the girl who broke my heart. Like. Hawk is there. You're the girl who lost. Miguel's like, you're my girlfriend. Why can't you be supportive? The girls are there. Hey, you're just one of the girls. And I was just thinking like, oh, I get it. We're like flashing through all of the iterations of Sam that they've tried that just didn't work. Question. Is she in her senior year? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So we've had like three and a half years of like... Unless, I mean, maybe she's maybe she's a junior? I, I, yeah, I don't know the way the time works. Doesn't but... it feel like this kind of identity crisis should come later, like college or something? This is like a weird midlife crisis kind of it's thing. Like, it's need... really up Yeah, okay, <laughs> so let's talk about that because I actually wanted to... Um... <laughs> okay, we, we, can, we can go in order. So let's talk about this depression pod. Sorry, depression pod. Deprivation pod yes. tank sequence what did you think um i thought again i thought it was like hilarious in the sense that it's just like seriously i bet the writers were just sitting around being like who is sam exactly we don't know maybe we'll have her ask herself she doesn't know like if if they really don't know and there's nothing there and guys there is nothing there then why don't you just like shift focus where 
Like, I actually like the scene she had with Anthony where he's, like, hassling her, which was fun. Oh, that was great. Yeah. it was, like, actually, I realized how few scenes they've ever had together. And they've got, like, a good sibling energy. They're just, yeah, like, exactly. Riffing. And it's, like... Are this... you depressed because another one of your boyfriends ran away? I mean, oh, truth good. bombs all the way around. Foreground Anthony. Anthony, honestly. Like, I know, he's great. Yeah. Maybe they felt like last season they gave him a lot of airtime. But it's, like, you know what? More Anthony. He's, he's shown that he can do something cool with the airtime. With Sam, it's, like... At the end of her deprivation pod sequence, they have her... It's kind of a neat thing where, like, you hear Tori's voice suddenly come out and say, like, I know exactly who you are, princess. But it's not Tor- Tori. It's, like, Sam dressed in a black gi. And then they fight. And it's all, like... I mean, I honestly was like, is this the dark side of Sam? Is the show teasing that there will be a darker Sam coming forth? No. No, that never happens. No, yeah, and... It, it is interesting that she's wearing this black gi and her hair actually looks a little bit darker, her, like, clone version. Sometimes, again, this, like, they have so little left to explore with Sam, maybe nothing, that I'm almost wondering if they should just go completely zany. Like, they've cloned another Sam on the <laughs> other side of Reseda. <laughs> and that clone is trying to take over Sam's lame life. Something, guys. God. God. Can you imagine a clone taking over, like... That in itself, like you take that to its end, it's like, and then that clone but starts yeah, like dating that? a dude. It's like a and complaining sitcom. about being. It's like what is it? Family matters when they're like randomly dropped in Stefan or Kel oh, and yeah, like a Stephane random like transmorgifier. It's like in when they're completely out of storylines for what is a like thirty minute show. That's when you start, you know... I, I, I just think clone about, Sam, like, I can't imagine her being any more interesting than Sam Prime. Like, what else is the... They can't yeah. even do that. And that's how a show kind of jumps the shark, where it's like, if we have... We make this person a main character and we're out of storylines for them, you can either have them move away or you can keep giving them more and more outlandish storylines. Right. This storyline is just like, guys, it's half the episode summary. She's... <laughs> No. She's in a de- deprivation tank and comes to a decision for the 85th time to oh. take some space. So what I find interesting, and we're going to talk about like Miguel's storyline, but she essentially, by the end of the episode, like, you know, Miguel is out there buying apology jewelry like he's a man on the verge, trying to, like, ward off his second divorce. Mm-hmm. He's giving that middle-aged man energy. And Sam is like... I need to find myself. Like, she's freaking Diane Lane in Under the Tuscan right. Sun. It's like, you guys are in high school. You guys are in high school, and Sam, there's nothing to find. I mean, look, I support you wanting to be on your own. Good good on you, but trust me, you're not going to find my, yourself. You keep doing this. You quit karate. You get back in karate. You jump a boyfriend. You get with a boyfriend. Okay, here's a question. You got nothing. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to fast forward 10 years. What do you think Sam's doing? She's, like, in her mid-20s. She's moved to New York to work at a magazine, not realizing that the magazine industry cratered in like the year 2012. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I was going to say she decides to open up a jewelry shop in Santa Monica, but then quickly gets tired of it and decides to just wander the beach. <laughs> so she's a vagrant? Yeah. <laughs> she gets some tips from from a good old crease. I don't know. Um, she... Takes over her father's dojo, um, but then realizes that she doesn't like karate and turns it into a jewelry shop in Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. I don't know. She's either way, it turns into a really like in like an insane person's jewelry shop, though. It's like beads everywhere, no string, like not enough materials, no customers, maybe no door. 
That sounds more like a moon shop, which actually might be moon cool. Moon actually, I feel like, no, moon Moon's, has this, like, moon seems centered, you know? And, like she Moon is actually, despite not having much, I mean, obviously she's a tertiary character, she doesn't have tons of screen time, but Moon is such a well-defined character. Like, yeah. where she's just like, she wakes Sam up from isolation pod, and it's just like, I dreamt that I was a drop of dew in a moonbeam, and it's just like, you make the best of all the lines you have, I girl. know, I get it. Okay, so Moon has a jewelry shop, and she takes Sam on as an employee out of pity, because Sam is destitute, because we know LaRusso Auto is in trouble. The way <laughs> I know after Chosen gets a hold of the LaRusso funds, it's over. Sam turns out to be the worst employee in history, drives the shop into the ground, they have a falling out, and Sam ends up wandering the Santa Monica beaches of you, you, you always want to come back to that. I like that. Look, all roads lead to vagrancy. And then she meets Crease. Yeah. <laughs> and finally. Fresh out of prison. <laughs> oh, the romance that couldn't Guys, dare speak its name. Yeah, we'll see. I'm already I, more interested in our right? fanfic. Okay, so... But I guess the other side of this this weird middle-aged couple is Miguel, who's gotten back from Mexico, reconnects with his his grandma and his mom, who are, like, kind of realistically just kind of happy to see him and that he's okay and everything. God, Miguel's grandma's so great. Yeah, but um, it's just that continuation of this, like, blasé energy where it's almost like someone had to, like, prop prompt him off stage like oh yeah you gotta look like you want to connect with your girlfriend it's like remember they did this whole thing season one or season two where you know where like his friends are like pouring over what he should text and and that felt more authentic like he's you know in high school Mm -hmm. freshman year he's figuring his way out and that whole thing with Sam, like, the first time around, we actually didn't have too many problems with it. No, we didn't. It was, like, very... It was sort of a charming but high school relationship. But it now feels like we're doing take seven. It does feel like that. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I guess they were together during season one, and then they broke up and they got together again. So they haven't actually, like, broken up seven times, but it just kind of feels like they have. Yeah. I don't and know. It, and it's... You know, when Miguel goes to Johnny at the end of the episode, or near the end, to get advice... I'm just like, why doesn't anybody tell him it's okay to just break up? Right. Also, dude, your senior year, like, just let it go. Let it die. You're expiration dating anyways at this point, right? And he, Miguel, like, you know, he's talking to Dimitri and Hawk about it, which is like kind of a, I mean, it's, it's kind of a cute thing. None where of he his friends and... either seem to be like, also, it's okay to break up. It's... No, they're all like, oh my god, danger zone. Like, she sounds like she might want to dump you. Here's what you gotta do. Gotta get her jewelry. Gotta pay $182 for an office. That's a lot necklace. of money. It's a lot of money for, like, a high school kid. Um, I, I mean, if I were, like, Miguel's friend, I'd be like, dude. Like, being... What's his source of, like, does he get an allowance? Like, I, don't, I don't know, actually. I I'm not sure who she's getting his money from. That is an unimaginable amount of money for a high school kid that's not working. Right. Or... And spoiler, at the end of the episode, when Sam tells him he, she needs her space, he takes it nicely. Then he starts crying, which is always, it's always very devastating to see Miguel cry. Yeah, but then he so... drops the octopus necklace, which is like, return that. You know what you can do with $182? Yeah, that was Something. a little soap opera-y. Um, it's like Chekhov's octopus necklace. We know it's going to be found at some point, but... Um, yeah, he does well, just drop it in her backyard. Even Sam's breakup speech is sort of true to Sam, where she's like, I don't even know if this is what I want. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to litigate this shit well into the season. Right. And you're just going to have to... I mean, the thing is, again, you're right. We didn't have a problem with them getting together in season one, because it was like, you know, it was charming. It was, it was sweet. But 
ever since then, like, I've never quite understood them as a couple in the sense that it's just like, what do they talk about? What do they do? I've never, I literally I've never wrote seen them in my notes. She, she says in the beginning of the episode, like, I, to Moon and Yasmin, like, I have so much to say. Like, I should I just lay it out there? And I'm like, what do you have to say? Yeah, seriously, what do you have to say? What do you talk about? Yeah, like, I've never even... Maybe we just Listeners never saw them too many times being a happy couple, or even any kind of couple. It's like, they are, they're always, like, not fighting, but every episode that features them, like, as a couple is like, oh, they have a tense and unhappy time at prom. Like, oh, like, you know, it's never really seemed like there's a lot there there. Yeah, like, do they like each other even? Listeners write in. If anyone is shipping this particular Let pair, us know. I'd like to know. Please tell us why. What are we not seeing here? Right. It's just, it's, it's baffling to me. Please tell us me. if Sam is worth a $182 octopus necklace. <laughs> a little throwaway thing. I did like that Hawk got his Hawk tattoo turned into a giant oh, flower. Oh, that's right. You know, um, he's even more simpatico with Moon. Right? And... They, they get to be, like, more and more similar. Like, couples start to look alike over time. I was horrified at the idea that he would get, like, a Miyagi-Do thing because it's like, Hawk, man, no. Stop getting no. dojo tattoos. Yeah. But when he said it was a lotus flower, it was just like, okay, all right, you yeah. do you, Hawk. Like, I know you can get them removed, but it's very painful. Just don't commit to Miyagi-Do, okay? We don't know if it's going to be Who around. knows if it's going to last? Also, I like that he's on a first-name basis with this tattoo artist. Like, oh, that's, yeah. That's cool. That checks out. Um, yeah. And uh, also, I, I did like the, the Miguel Dimitri Hawk juxtaposed with Yasmin and Moomin and Sam. It was very much like Grease, like, tell me more or something. Yeah, I don't know. True. I wanted them to break out in a song, but they yeah. didn't. So minus point. The musical episode. Um, okay. Speaking of relationships that I don't get. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is a So what a like, segue. Um... um so Carmen, oh my God, girl! We've talked about how Carmen is an, another character that sort of just like exists in this like plane of reality where we're to assume that they talk about things and they have stuff in common. Besides Miguel, that is, um, we we don't see them talk about these see things, them doing anything or talking or sharing. She has like occasional, very very occasional, very slight flashes of personality. There is one at the end of this episode. That's true, and it's like sometimes like they spend so much time trying to like fill in the blanks that is the same, like color in the same character, and it's like. We actually ran out of pencils for the other female characters. <laughs> what are we going to do? So Carmen has, I guess, what I liked about this pregnancy reveal or whatever is that they didn't drag it out over four episodes. I like that too, but, but I did, did think when she retched in the first scene, it's like, oh yeah, yeah she's pregnant. Knew, Everybody on TV, nobody ever throws up for any other reason than pregnancy, so yeah. So you didn't think at all it was a fake out? I was hoping it was a fake I out. Know. You know, I actually like... All through this episode, I'm like, oh, God, please don't do this. But I have actually come around to it because, again, the problem is that, like, I don't really understand Carmen and Johnny as a couple. But, like, Johnny freaking out over Carmen possibly being pregnant and then, like, you know, and worrying that he's going to make the same mistakes he made when, uh, when like, you know, uh, his girlfriend was pregnant with Robbie. And then, like, trying to, like watch YouTube videos to, like, be a good father, and then getting a montage where he, like, disinfects his apartment. 
I realize, like, in retrospect, like, I like all of that. These are good new story beats for Johnny that aren't just a retread of everything. Yeah, I will never say no to a uh, Johnny montage, and I love the pest control thing. Are we just to assume that he's been living with cockroaches? I don't want to think about it. Winged cockroaches? I I don't want to think about it. I had to close my eyes both times we watched that scene. That's just, like, a bridge too far, because we saw that he had, like, sort of made some changes to his apartment early on like in season two i know but so that like was where you just skipped over the cockroaches that was like not a big deal i, I can't even you know i can't <laughs> I, i'm deathly afraid of cockroaches so that... i like that johnny took down the photograph that he has of like three girls in bikinis which has been like a staple of his apartment since yeah. season one and replaced it with like the very child-friendly photo of a lighthouse like that's just that's a nice touch also liked when he um you see him Googling how to, like, be a good father or something, and you get to see, like, a little glimpse of his Google search history, which includes how to find hot babes, how to get rid of graffiti, and how to tell my student I'm banging his mom. I'm pretty sure he does not, so he doesn't know how to clear his search history. So are we to assume that he's only done, like, three, three searches three of all searches? types? Yes, I believe that is the assumption okay. we should make. Again, I would really like an accounting of how he spends his time. Like, beyond, like, what he actually talks about with Carmen... <laughs> Um, maybe they just, like, have sex all the time. I don't know. I assume so. I mean, they must have sex at least some of the time, given well, what's happened. did you um, catch the condom brand, Tiger Glue? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was pretty good. That's great. That's the thing. It's like, despite me, like, immediately being like, oh, I hate this plot, I don't hate the Johnny parts of it. It's just that I don't, I've never understood why the show ships Carmen and Johnny so hard. Yeah, I mean, also, I was a little confused by, like, him having war flashbacks in the CBS. It's like, so is he, like, afraid he's going to turn into a lame dad, as we find out by the end? Or is it, like, he's afraid of fucking up as a father or both? Maybe a little from column A and a little from column B. I mean, I thought it was pretty realistic that, like, he turns, like, when they're at the CBS buying a pregnancy test, and there's a dude with a baby desperately trying to get the baby to stop crying. I'm like, yeah, no, that's that that's for real. I can see why you would look at that and be like, what what the fuck did I do? Oh my god. Um but yeah, I like that I, I like that they at least are using this to do some new stuff with Johnny. It's nice. Um Carmen you know, at the end, yes, oh my god, she is in fact pregnant. And oh my god, Johnny's on board and he says badass and like I did like that when he she, he was like, did you know babies can hear music in the womb? Like, I made you, like, a tape with some Black Sabbath, but you can put Metallica on it if you want. And she says, Metallica, always. I'm like, whoa. I know. That was a glimpse of she something. She has more than one personality trait. Um, I don't know. Part of me is like, Allie would have sold the hell out of the scene. Yeah. I just, I want a little bit more drama. Like, what if she's like, you're not the father. <laughs> or, like, just a little bit of anything. I mean... The, I, okay, at least Sam is a character who is not well-defined and also just seems like a petulant asshole. Like, actually, at her best, she's a petulant asshole. Yeah. Um, Carmen is just also an ill-defined character who just seems nice. I don't know. Um, actually, yeah, wait, I take it back, because I was about to be like, you know, at least Carmen's, like, nice. But no, like, the, Sam, when Sam's not nice, when you want to punch her, at least she's, like, a little more engaging than when yeah. she's just sort of a blank face yeah yeah all right baby on board okay now we're gonna get into 
The best part of the episode. We saved the best for last. It's true. Yes, it's true, you guys. Um, Louie and Anoush have a cameo at the beginning of the episode. right. Yes. Ah, I I love love them them. hanging out. They've come full circle. Anoush is a delight. I mean, no matter how many lines he has, he just brings a certain cranky energy. And This show is very good at, like, tertiary characters. I, I really miss Tom Cole. I like to think of like a brunch where like all five of them are hanging out. Oh my god, you Tom know? Cole brings his cactus, a real American Yeah, you plant. know where Tom Cole probably is? He's probably working. Um, because you <laughs> might have, cars, perhaps. You might have noticed that Amanda's missing in this episode and it's because Daniel spent the entire episode on a stakeout with Chosen. Oh my god. And so somebody had to fucking keep the doors open and the lights on. Oh my god, guys. Right, like I read an interesting review of this season, and like one thing that it said that that like again spoiler the season doesn't go to this place, but like the reviewer I think it was like maybe for like uh, like AV Club or something. He's like, it was kind of intriguing when you feel like the season is the story of Daniel Russo's mental breakdown, oh, but yeah. they back away from that unfortunately, or even just material breakdown that like he loses his business and his marriage. Um... A thing that seems actually so realistic given his actions, but yes. they just never want to do they're, it. They're afraid to commit to what should be should actually be Daniel's. And arc the only in this way season. I could forgive them is if like this is their big season six. They're going out with a bang. They're destroying this life, <laughs> and damn it, they're not going to be. They're not going to have a season seven to fix it. No, it's just, that's it. That's it's it. It's like you know how the first episode of the first season, the pilot, just started with him like living a blessed life, and then what if the last episode is like. Kind of like Mike Barnes watching his furniture store burn. Oh it's God. just like he's watching LaRusso Auto burn to the ground. Um, and he's the one who set it yeah. on fire. I mean, Amanda's in a bikini in Terry Silver's car. Oh and, God. you know, he's lost everything and he kind of deserves to. Um, but yeah, Daniel's at the club just chilling. It's a golf club. Um, yeah. Chilling with Louie and Anoush and Chosen, of course, who's like totally a golf fiend. Who might be there but one Terry Silver? And, you know, there's, like, questions about this. Like, for instance, like, has Terry always belonged to this golf club? If so, Daniel would have seen him at some point. If not, was he just, like, waiting here for Daniel to show up? That's weird. You know what? Look, it's a golf club, but it's also, like, they have a sauna and a spa. And you know what? Terry Silver has flawless skin. And so you're going with Terry Silver being a permanent member who's always stayed out of like Daniel's I think when you're line. a billionaire, like the golf clubs court you and they're like, you're a member whether you want to be or not. I and mean, I like to think, because this is the first of his two encounters with Daniel in the golf club. Like, I'd like to think that he just like lives here in a tent outside in case Daniel might be around. You can't be member of the Reseda business community without joining this golf club. Sure, but I mean, how do you know whenever Daniel's going to show up? I mean, I think it's more likely that Daniel found out that Terry Silver was there. Oh and my god! Stalking him. Daniel does spends most of the season stalking people. This is no true. Joke. Remember, Terry Silver was like in the dojo, like working, and like just if he had looked out for even an instant, he would have seen Chosen and Daniel just staring, staring through at the him. wind. I mean. Look, I'm with you on most of these points, but if Daniel indeed had been stalking Terry Silver, then he's got, then he really fucks up his interaction with Terry Silver, who manages to, like, you know, quietly taunt Daniel, like, and when Daniel's all, like, getting uppity, he's like, I like this attitude on you, Danny boy, you know? Oh my god. Uh, wow. Not, the homoeroticism is at a 12. It's like, pretty great. I wrote down some lines, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you're playing with fire. Like every single one of these, if they had like just put a song in the background and like a little bit of eye contact, they have some interesting energy. They do. Everyone needs to get out of the room. I mean, yeah. Chosen steps up when he's like, you're playing with fire and he's like, and I am gasoline and boom. It's just all crazy. I don't know what to... Do you see how Chosen has like, as part of his job description is now like going alongside to like golf clubs to chill yeah i want whatever job he has covert spy like i feel like he probably supposedly runs a business he was a terrible spy he lasted like less than a few hours and now he's just like now he just sleeps on daniel's couch you have to be daniel's companion yeah he's and he kind of like you can see him kind of taking like a like a bodyguard like role in daniel's life which daniel looks like daniel probably needs but right man uh Chosen looks a lot of fun, and of course Louis and Anoush are even more fun because, like, when oh Cherry Silver leaves with the ultimate baller move, which is put these men's drinks on my tab. Louis and Anoush immediately go like hog wild in the pina coladas, and it's. it's just I like lovely. the idea of Terry Silver sort of like whining and dining everyone in Daniel's circle, and like that would be the greatest like evidence of him being like a psychological master. It's mm-hmm. like. You know, you impress people with money and charm and, you know, with Amanda just being a man that I mean, just doesn't work you to death. and Right, a man who sometimes, you. like, shows up to his job right, here and yeah. there. Ugh, I mean, Chris didn't even have to have a job. He just had to, like, sort of bite an apple in front of her. And she was he, like, he bit it so sensually, though. Yeah, he did. Um, but we the next time we um, get check-in with Daniel and Chosen, they're going to go on a caper. Where they're just like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we got to find, like, uh, any old enemy of, uh, of of Daniel's that Terry Silver might recruit. And we get this nice little flashback to uh, to Mike Barnes. Yeah. How much bad do, boy of karate. How much do I love Karate Kid Part 3? Like, that, I think, did they have the flashback of him dangling Daniel's friend? I don't the, believe they have that Because that flashback. was maybe, like... Peak Mike Barnes, like dangling an innocent yeah, karate like I was civilian like, over okay. a cliff. Yeah. I certain. So, okay, so let's talk about where Mike Barnes is. He comes out. He's wearing like oh, he's got by the way attire. his ensemble, which is a black suit, black vest, black shirt. Yeah, I like it. He looks good. He looks like an evil, evil furniture salesman, which is what he is. Yeah, not, exactly. Not evil, a, a furniture salesman with a troubled past. Um, but he's ready. To, I love all of the kind of like little hints at like where he's come so he's he's back in the back of this furniture store um but before then he's like looking at stuff in the trunk of his car and he picks up some saws chosen immediately seems to know that it's a bone saw at what point and like yeah this whole little opening where he's he's looking at saws in the furniture store daniel sneaks in to listen to him on his phone conversation where he's like talking about cutting off legs and stuff Getting rid of that Italian piece of shit. Right. At what point did you know he was a furniture salesman? I feel like I knew he was a furniture salesman. Like, like right away. Like, even before he appeared. Some like, part of me was like, come on. Like, he's not an assassin. I, it's interesting what they're doing because I feel like season one, Daniel, um, would have been like, okay, maybe I'm going to wait this out a little. Because he was always supposed to be the measured one compared to Johnny. Mm-hmm. Like, by season five, it's like, I don't know if it's the influence of Chosen, but it's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, this guy is clearly a piece of shit. He's going to destroy us all. And and he, like, leaps out there. And it's just like, 
Daniel, if your suspicion that this guy was some kind of weird mafia enforcer working for Silver were correct, you just leaped out there with, into his, like, store with no weapon or any... What are you doing, dude? Like, it's... Yeah, it's pretty nuts. <clears throat> but, you know, haha, misunderstanding resolved. He's a furniture salesman, and I do like that Mike Barnes just seems like sort of, like... His intro is almost a bit like Silver's intro to the show, where, like, you know, Terry Silver is like, oh, man, I can't believe, like, I stalked a kid for weeks. Mike Barnes has a similar energy, where he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, that was messed up what I did to you. Anyways, I sell furniture now. Um, I mean, did you did you want him to actually have a tie to Silver? No, like, okay, not really. Yeah. I, like, I actually like that they did this with him, and that was a smart move, and I think it's, like, very realistic. Also... Kind of damning that everyone seems to have moved on except for Daniel, right? And Johnny. I mean... Well, Johnny, yeah. Johnny... The whole show is actually about him moving on, I suppose. Yeah, and with with the baby on the way, I think they're showing that everyone is inching forward. And Daniel's still in a car with Chosen. I know. Harassing people. There is an interesting story to be told that they could have done this season. But I I really think that they should have done it. Where it's just like, this season should have been about Daniel's downward spiral. And you are correct. Chosen is enabling him. Chosen is also on something of a weird spiral, and he is totally egging Daniel on. And like, yeah, and for good reason because, like, you know what? Didn't Chosen have like was about to drop two k or did drop two k on a couch? He did. It's like, where do you have this money lying around? I mean, again, I feel like he was supposed to be some kind of businessman in Okinawa, but did who Daniel knows? buy that couch for him? Possibly, he was complaining about how so uncomfortable he's paying the couch for was. international shipping to Okinawa. What the fuck? <laughs> There's a lot going. Wait, I actually feel like this is Chekhov's couch, Nina. Oh, At the beginning God. of the episode, like Chosen's complaining about how uncomfortable the couch is at Daniel's place, and now he. Has oh, a couch. I thought that was just like a, a like a very open grifter Chosen being like, you know what, that dojo, we could like fix it up. I could have my own room. Like, <laughs> I mean, clearly I do... he's been there for months. Yep, like that's a long time to be sleeping on a couch. I agree. Right? Chosen's angling to move on up. I know, and like he's totally grifter chosen, and like he and you know he's convinced Daniel, like, no, you need me because your family's in deep grave danger. Hey, maybe we should like soup up my furniture a bit, you know. A- anyways, like that's how it starts. That's how it starts. Uh, I love the horror on Mike Barnes' face when he's like Daniel Larusso. It's like he's triggered. By an old figure from his past. Right, he's probably like, what the actual hell? It's been like 30 years. Um, now, like, uh, he Daniel fills him in on everything that's going on and is just like, is there anything you can tell me to help? And Barnes rightfully is like, dude, I have not seen that guy in like 40 years. And this is actually when Chosen comes in, sees them sort of play fighting and starts an actual fight with Mike Barnes. Did you like this? I hated it. Yeah. I hated that whole thing. I feel like... They're just trying to make Chosen into this, like, goofball to sort of justify his presence in this season. And it's, like, I thought it worked for, like, a couple episodes. And then, like, it's kind of funny how inept he is. Yeah. In his role. But, like, I don't know. I think they're just... It's it's supposed to be, like, buddy cop energy. But poor I felt for Mike Barnes. From, like... This guy just suddenly beats up, like, several of his furniture store employees and then beats him up. But, like... It's weird that, because I agree with you completely, I like, despite all that, I like Chosen. I like his energy. He's got, like, weird chaos energy, which is kind of fun. It's just that, like, unless he is doing exactly what you what you said, like, un- unless the show was like, yep, he's here to enable Daniel's downward spiral, like, 
there's no real reason for him to be here. And I know. Did you? Were you surprised that he had not heard from Terry Silver? Um, no, actually, honestly, I, like Terry Silver, as we saw, and it like. Terry Silver is a man that burns bridges. Ah, Terry Silver is a man that burns a lot of things, yeah. And, like, Mike Barnes, <laughs> like, failed him the first time. Why would he, like, recruit him next? Um, oh, okay. So we start talking about all of the contract lawyering going on Please. Here? I am desperate to talk about uh, this. So if, if listeners will remember, Mike Barnes apparently was promised 50%. Of the dojo takeaways from the Cobra Kai franchising from, mm-hmm. from the third movie. And did he get that? No. I mean, here's... He's high and dry. There's a bunch of things I want to say about this that nobody cares about. But I'm That it was do... a verbal contract? No, no. It was a written contract according to, uh, according to Mike Barnes. When, after they've resolved the idiotic fight with Chosen, like, they're talking about shit. And he's like, the only thing I can remember that might help you is that, like... You know, there was an actual attorney who drew up a contract for me, like about one teenager terrorizing another teenager. One, what kind of attorney t- does that? Can a te- teenager even enter into a contract? I mean... I guess he was 18. I guess, uh, yeah, he was 18. So yeah. he was legally an adult, so he could do that. You can't really enter... Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I'm sorry. I'm so excited about this. I knew you would be. <laughs> Guys, this is the benefit of potting with... with an actual lawyer. Yeah, the benefit. Um, <laughs> so, first of all, it's a contract to do something illegal, so it's automatically probably unenforceable. But if it were enforceable, Nina, then, like, it's interesting that, like, Daniel's like, oh, we got our hands on this contract. We'll show the world, like, what a scam Cobra Kai is or, like, how terrible it is. I'm like, no, you get your hands on this contract. I think there's an argument that Mike Barnes actually owns 50% of the Cobra Kai franchise. Oh my god, I can't wait for the legal drama to play out. Right. The other thing he said was that he was banned from karate. Does that does he mean like the All-Valley? I would because assume like, he meant the All-Valley. First of all, he's aged out of the All-Valley. It doesn't matter anymore. But like, I don't think you can ban somebody from doing karate. I mean... Like, yeah, you can ban them from maybe competing. That sounds super fake. I know. <laughs> I think he's banned in this particular like jurisdiction from competing, but like that's a bit that's a bit of an overstatement that you can't do it at all anymore. Um, yeah, the other thing is that like, God, this is dumb. So, oh my God, if they get their hands in this contract, maybe they. I mean, I I Dan get it. Just has dumb idea after dumb idea where he's like he has to justify. Having spent thousands underwriting Chosen's entire right, life. yeah, his new LA life. <laughs> um, so he's like, yeah. Well, obviously, what we're going to do is get our hands on the contract and then expose Silver for having entered into this contract. And I'm like, you know, maybe you're on the right path. Actually, trying to prove that Silver has done something illegal instead of like, I don't know, whatever fuckery you're up to right now. But like, you're going to call his attorney and ask for the contract. I mean, have you ever heard of attorney-client privilege? Are you are, are you high? What you think he's just going to give it to you? Obviously, he just tells Silver about Why it. Why doesn't he just use that money to like pay for a PI? Right? Why doesn't Daniel hire a PI? This is what gives Daniel meaning. Like he is in a midlife crisis. He doesn't want to run Larusso Auto. He wants to go on capers with. Chosen. He wants to go on capers. He yes. wants to feel like he's fighting some epic battle. Yes, for his very soul. And Terry Silver kind of senses that. So it's like I feel like Terry Silver's almost play. Like Terry Silver is playing into it. Like by acting like as a yeah. calls him a Terry giant. Terry Silver is like speaks normally to everyone. Like when he was talking to Tori, but when he talks to Daniel, he's just like. 
I will destroy you and everything you have. Yes, when he talks to Daniel, he like pulls a white cat out of his pocket and starts stroking it, and it's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, and I would kind of appreciate that these men are somehow play acting like being in like a completely different movie, except that like the show kind of seems to take it more seriously than it should because this is I think shit. okay ultimate okay. I'm saying that Daniel and Terry Silver need each other. Daniel needs the drama of Terry Silver because mm-hmm. he's the only one who will play into this like mythic battle. And Terry Silver can only act truly insane with around an Daniel. adversary. Yeah. Like, you know, when he goes into a steam room with a robe. Oh, God. And, and plays a voicemail. <laughs> He plays that voicemail that Daniel left for the attorney, and then he emerges from the steam, and Nina, Nina, he's not wearing a robe. You're right. He has a towel around his neck. We don't know if there's another towel Guys, involved. we don't know what, what happens when they zoom out, okay? <laughs> right to us. Oh, man. But that was like, if they had just picked up from, like, the third movie and they included that scene, it would have been a flawless cut. Like, that was the same energy where I'm like, well done, show. Yep. You've gotten, you've gotten him back on cocaine and he's having fun. You know, problem with Crease, right? That's what people do at golf clubs. It's stupid. I always assume. Golf is super boring. Yeah. You can't do it sober. Right? It's all about, like, cocaine and, and, like, like, really hot scenes and steam rooms. Like, you can, you know what? I'm going to buy a theory. They're going to be seeing a lot of each other. Right? A lot. I really want to, like, endorse your theory that, yes, I think Terry wanted to be cocaine crazy. Kreese got him, like, back on the wagon, or back off the wagon, as you might say. And then he need Kreese wouldn't let him, like, play supervillain, though. They both make each other feel alive. Yes. And I wish, I wish we, like, le- leaned into that. But we do get that gem of a scene closing the episode, so, you know, all is not lost. Oh, wait, no, that's not the close of the episode. The close of the episode, unfortunately, is... Barnes watching his furniture store burn. Yeah, so Terry Silver ends with a warning that he was going to take everything from him and he was playing with fire and he meant that literally Burns, poor Mike Barnes furniture store. I mean, all Mike Barnes did was like mention that like he had a contract. I don't know why, like, Terry Silver, why don't you burn Daniel's like car dealership to the... Oh, wait, because you need him. And also maybe you put snakes in there at some point. Yeah, but it's also like you probably... There are other ways to get to Daniel. You know? Yeah. More fun, painful ways. I mean, maybe Mike Barnes has insurance. Maybe it's okay. But Yeah, I was like, do you have arson insurance? I don't know. I mean, fire insurance would count as long as you didn't set the fire, right? Um, so hopefully. I would hope our furniture store has that kind of thing, because it's very sad just to see. I like the, the kind of um, Greek tragedy of it all, that Mike Barnes was doing fine until Daniel came into his life. Yep. And I think that's so true for so many people. Except for like, Chosen, who was suddenly like, yes. Oh yeah, but Chosen was in a bad way, so it's like... I don't know what I can't remember, Nina. What was Chosen doing before Daniel like went to went back to? No, Okinawa? you know how they say the illusion of success makes people, you know, you, you, like you need to spend money to make money. Like Chosen spent whatever he had to like buy some sweet dojo space in Okinawa, impressed the hell out of Daniel. Thought this is a stable guy. Dropped a few references to therapy. Next thing you know, he's getting a, a like a one way flight to, <laughs> and an invitation to, to crash on like somebody's it's couch. Brilliant! Definitely. It's brilliant. It's actually not un, unlike what Crease did. Where yeah, he's just, right. Shows up with his duffel bag. He's gonna stay for a night or two. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's taken he, over your dojo. He's stolen all the QuickBooks. I know. <laughs> 
Oh God! If this season ended with Chosen taking over the dealership, oh. that would be great because it's like while you were sleeping or stalking, right? While you were involved with this stupid karate plot, I actually took your legitimate like, I business. I want there to be like a cutaway scene after Daniel goes to bed where Chosen is like burning the midnight oil, looking at his finances. He's got to get back in the black, and he's just like, I can't stand this guy, but I have to. I have to hang out with him for like at least four more months. God, bro, I'm going to have to invent a new caper for us to go on tomorrow. <laughs> uh, okay. Rating time? I think we enjoyed the subtext of this episode <laughs> way more than the actual text. Um, so I will give it... You know, I'm stealing it. I know you wanted to do this one, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it three dropped towels in a steam room. <laughs> okay. Fine. Steal it from me. Um, I'm going to give it... Uh, the Sam stuff didn't work for me. The pregnancy storyline was a drag. But really, the strength of Mike Barnes' return and some of the Terry Silver stuff, I'll give it four out of five horrified looks in Mike Barnes' face. <laughs> <sighs> Guy gives good face, yes. Yeah. Okay. Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy.